And thank you for joining the IPG Media Lab from each of our respective homes. I am your host, Scott Elcherson, uh, and this week's episode was recorded on Tuesday, May 19th, 2020. So Adam, how have you been? Good. It's been, it's a, what, it's a 24 short, hours this week so far? <laughs> short week. 48 hours week? <laughs> super short week. Uh, and I think that's why we're recording early. Uh, but it's it's super exciting. Somehow June and Memorial Day are, are here, uh, which means summer is here. And I am excited about that. Well, later on in the show, we have a fantastic conversation between myself, Adam, and the CEO of Atlas Obscura to talk about travel, uh, the current state of it, and how we see it developing over these next few months uh, to to years. So super excited for that conversation. But before that, Adam, let's uh, dive into some news here. Yeah, let's talk about all of the news that happened in the past 48 hours. <laughs> uh, it's, it feels like it's been a fire hose yeah. uh, of of announcements before the before the long weekend. So first up, we'll start with an acquisition. Uh, Facebook has bought Giphy uh, and will be integrating it into the larger Facebook ecosystem. Uh, for those that don't know, Giphy is one of the, or probably the biggest platform of GIFs or purveyor of GIFs. They have previously worked with a number of different brands on different, you know, messaging campaigns. You know, basically their whole solution was allowing brands to uh, get their branded content into messaging uh, applications. So think like iMessage and uh, other chat applications, as well as some social platforms, obviously like Instagram and Snapchat uh, and other big platforms. So super interesting acquisition by Facebook. Uh, it seems like Facebook is looking at them as more of a, a signal provider of what that next social platform might be versus any of the other conversation we've seen out there, whether that's like buying them for their data uh, or their user base or anything like that. Yeah. And I think it's important to note that uh, Giphy's main competitor, Tenor, was acquired by Google a couple of years ago. Um, so they they each now own their own proprietary uh, GIF platform, which I think shows you uh, how important uh, visual communication has become in the world of media and the world of advertising. Absolutely. And there's still one more out there, GifCat is uh, still available. So if you are a major social platform and are looking for your own gift provider, GiftCat is uh, is out there. Snap should snap them up. Oh, <laughs> snap. <laughs> so in addition to Facebook acquiring Giphy, they have also announced a new social commerce product. Facebook shops will turn business pages into online stores uh, on Facebook, Instagram, and, and WhatsApp. Yeah, it's um, basically at its most basic, it's a product listing and a way for you to list products on your storefront. It's kind of similar to something that they had previously announced for WhatsApp. Um, it's notable that these these new Facebook shops will run across Facebook, Instagram, and WhatsApp, so across their entire platform. Um, and it gives business owners mm -hmm. a way to list their products. And then it's actually up to them when the user uh, gets to the point of purchase. Either they can integrate with Facebook's native checkout tools or they can push those users out to their, their website um, to complete the purchase. So there's obviously some, some pros and cons to each of those, um, mostly around revenue mm -hmm. versus uh, ease of, of checkout. Uh, but um, it's, uh, I think, you know, an exciting launch, uh, something that we've been uh, watching develop on Instagram, and now it's exciting that it's actually going to be on all three platforms. 
really interesting to see, I think, from Instagram's perspective, if they're able to switch that behavior of people just browsing to becoming more of like a, a commerce and checkout platform. Uh, I think that's going to be like the biggest challenge for Facebook. But it seems like they have uh, backing by a lot of big companies, you know, Shopify and big commerce and WooCommerce to kind of help with this experience. So um, we'll see, you know, new, new formats of shopping are coming to social. Uh, and personally, I think I'm uh, pretty excited about it. Yeah. One of my favorite news stories of the past couple of days that came out uh, is that it was revealed uh, that Chuck E. Cheese is uh, selling pizza on, <laughs> using a different restaurant name on Grubhub. Um, and this story is so interesting <laughs> for so many reasons. Uh, it turned out that uh, you know, people <laughs> didn't, uh, Chuck E. Cheese did not have an easy pivot to delivery. Turns out that uh, the, the main value proposition of Chuck E. Cheese is going to their restaurants with their arcades and their uh, animatronics. Uh, and that once everyone was in mm -hmm. quarantine, uh, their sales had been way down. So they decided to rebrand and give themselves a, a different name on Grubhub um, and actually uh, upscale their pizzas and, and their product uh, along with the branding to create a slightly more upscale brand than Chuck E. Cheese. Uh, and apparently that's been working for them, <laughs> which uh, I think goes to show uh, it demonstrates in, a, in an <laughs> unusual and surprising way um, a lot of the things that we've been talking about when it comes to things like cloud kitchens um, and a lot of, uh, and, and even yep. just other local restaurants pivoting to focus more on delivery than the in restaurant experience, um, that the branding can have a major impact. Um, on those platforms, especially, you know, on, on first order, right? One, obviously, once you've had the food, you will have an opinion about it. But when you're first browsing for pizza in your neighborhood and you see a new one pop up, uh, if the branding looks good and the photos look good, you might be willing to try it, even though it is secretly coming from that same old Chuck E. Cheese kitchen. <laughs> Uh, and for all those wondering, it is Pascali's Pizza and Wings uh, is the name that Chuck E. Cheese is selling under. So if you happen to see that under your Grubhub account, uh, give it a try. Let us know how it how it tastes. The only thing I'm a little disappointed that they didn't do is make it some kind of anagram of Chuck E. Cheese or... I would have liked. I would have liked a little Easter egg. Oh, that'd be funny. <laughs> around the naming, their mascot is a rat. Like, how could they work that into this whole thing? But it's yeah. food. And well, you know his. You know the E stands for entertainment. His name is technically Charles Entertainment Cheese. I did not know that. That is a true fact. <laughs> it is part of their founding story. <laughs> Charles Entertainment Cheese. Well. That is just uh, too perfect. And I got to say, <laughs> a perfect segue into our next news story here, which is all about entertainment. Big news coming from the, the House of Mouse. Ah, we went from rats to mice. <laughs> <laughs> rats to mice. <laughs> uh, Disney's streaming chief, Kevin Mayer, is leaving to become the TikTok CEO. Adam. Yeah. I'm going to tee this one straight to you. <laughs> I'm shook. I'm shocked. Is he salty? Like, what's going on here? Um, I, I don't know that he's salty. Uh, but, uh, no, this is super interesting. So uh, as background, I'm, we talked about it before on the show, but um, uh, a couple months ago, before, right before the pandemic started hitting, um, it was announced that the next CEO of Disney would go would be Bob Chapek. Um, and it was widely sort of known in Hollywood that it was either going to be Kevin Mayer or Bob Chapek. And so clearly he uh, lost out on that job. Um, but uh, it, 
considering the state that Disney's in currently, it might actually be a blessing in disguise because managing a company with so many physical assets um, on their balance sheet during a pandemic is certainly a challenge. Um, and, you know, this way, uh, he's going to an all digital company that has been uh, growing and thriving. Um, and I think it gives uh, TikTok, uh, I can I can see why they wanted him. It gives them a lot of credibility uh, with uh, tech and media in the US and probably will also help a lot mm-hmm. with their uh, negotiations and discussions with the US government since there have been some questions about um, TikTok being a primarily Chinese company becoming so powerful in the social media space in the US recently. <laughs> Certainly putting uh, an American executive uh, at the head of the company uh, is... Uh, is, some, is something that can only help them. So I have a feeling that uh, he was offered a whole lot of money uh, to make this transition. Well, Adam, that wraps up this week's news, if we can even call it a week. Um, are you ready to go talk to the CEO of Atlas Obscura about travel? Let's do it. Great. Warren, thanks for uh, being here with us today. Uh, so to start off, I guess for those who aren't lucky enough to already know uh, about Atlas Obscura, uh, why don't you tell the, our audience uh, some, some about what you guys do? Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Great to see you guys. Um, so Atlas Obscura is dedicated to the discovery of the most wonderful places on Earth. And uh, we do that in a number of ways. We have our places database, which is really the atlas of places around the world. We have stories and video and social media and our email all sort of centered around that, that database. We have our experiences, so wonderful activities and tours and workshops focused on experiencing these places in different ways in real life and, and more recently uh, virtually. We have our trips, so our trips business is trips to very unusual places and also unusual ways to explore some more familiar places. And, uh, and we've also published some best-selling books, a kid's book. Uh, we have some other exciting projects in the works across other media. But, but at heart, we're really about uh, curiosity, discovery, and recognizing that there's a, a lot of wonderful places out there and opening that world up to our, our community of millions of global followers and, and fans. Yeah, I mean, I've been a, an Atlas Obscura fan since uh, back in the day when it was just that database. And it's been uh, really interesting to see you guys uh, grow up into a, a really interesting media company that I think is unlike anything else that, that's out there. Well, thank you. Uh, thanks for following us and, and being part of it. Uh, one of the things I love best about it is it really is community driven. So it's not a one-way conversation at all. It's, it's, uh, we have editors who do a fantastic job putting together amazing journalism and amazing content, mm-hmm. but it's, uh, it's equally coming back from the other direction where our community is out there finding places, um, discovering them, and sharing their experience with us and with the rest of the community. Yeah, and just quickly, like we were, we're kind of talking about you know like this interesting travel content. Can you go like a bit deeper into kind of like that type of style and content that you do talk about? Because I was looking on the website, and you know you were talking about um, a butter dragon or a dragon made out of butter. Like it's really cool, like you know interesting content that like it isn't like your traditional travel um, type of content in places that, that you're looking to find. Like they are really unique. Well, I'm glad to hear you say that because I, I'm not sure if it's just me, uh, but every day when I look at Atlas Obscura, I learn something new or find something that I just never heard of before. And I, I was like, wow, that's incredible. And also 
duh, that's the point. <laughs> um, so the uh, the obscura in Atlas Obscura is that we've got uh, we've got people who are helping us find uh, those things that you wouldn't normally know about, and you can get lost for days just mm-hmm. going through the database, going through our, our our stories. And if you're stuck at home thinking about uh, you know your next travel opportunity, why not you know dig in and and, and dream a little bit about. Uh, some of those uh, amazing places and things that you might not have heard of before. Yeah, I, I think, you know, I think you get pegged into travel because that is sort of originally where it started. Uh, and obviously you have this this great data play, database of obscure places and, and things to see all over the world. But I think of it as kind of a mashup of travel and history and anthropology and increasingly now more often food as well. So there's a lot of stuff sort yeah. of going going in there that I think um, makes it makes it pretty unique and I think uh, has allowed you to be pretty resilient during uh, this unprecedented time where uh, no one is really able to travel that much at all. Um, how, how has that impacted you uh, with, with most of, at least in the U.S. and in a lot of other countries uh, around the world, a stay-at-home order? How has that impacted your audience and, and your, your content and what your editors are thinking about? Well, you're right. I mean, we're we're not the kind of travel media company where we're like, okay, this is the place. Here's where you stay and here's where you eat. Period. Uh, it's it's digging into. Here's some history about this place. Here's something cool that you might not have known. Here's a person that uh, really reflects the, the the nature of this place. And when we talk about discovering place, we're talking uh, not just about surface level. We're talking about all the ways that you can experience this place. And that might be looking at it, you know, online on our database and, and discovering it, or it might be, uh, you know, doing a, a, an in-depth experience or trip where you really get to immerse yourself in in that place. And how has it affected us? Well, so as of March 10th, <laughs> uh, we 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 were coming at our our plan for the next year as we're really going to expand our trips offering and we're mm-hmm. really going to expand our in real life experiences and and obviously things changed incredibly fast uh, as for us as they did for everyone and we soon realized that that travel for the moment uh, is basically shut down so we had to do a number of things one uh, we had trips out in the field uh, we had to bring them back quickly we had one trip in Tunisia where the uh, one of our passengers was actually sick oh wow and we were dealing that with that and then also had to get them uh, to the airport. And the government of Tunisia was talking about closing the airport. And we were worried that we weren't going to get them back to the U.S. And, wow. in time. And, and luckily, through a lot of quick work on our team and our, our partners there, uh, we got everybody on all of our trips back, uh, back to the U.S. or wherever they're from safely. So there was, in the immediate moment, a bit of just crisis management and getting everybody pulled back and secure. Mm-hmm. And then very quickly, it was like, all right, what are we going to do now that our uh, our trips are all on pause, our, our in real life experiences are all uh, on pause? And we did uh, what a lot of people are doing, and I think, I think uh, we're going to continue to do it, which is we immediately got one of our best and most engaging and fun uh, trip uh, guides, a guy who does our Scottish Highlands trip, Who's also a really accomplished uh, bagpiper uh, to do to do an online experience and and bring people sort of out of their apartments and their houses and and experience a little bit of the Scottish Highlands as as, as best as you can uh, through your laptop and 
and it was great and people loved it and we and we have since started building out lots more virtual experiences uh, some of them are free where you can come catch out catch our you know music for stargazing so 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 yeah so we've so we had to do some immediate shifts and then in the short term uh, we're really focused on sort of bringing that world uh, that discovery that sense of experience into your apartment and into your house wherever you happen to be until we're able to get out and, and travel again yeah and then are you using like just using zoom for all these live events or is it like instagram live like is there a certain platform that you've found most useful for like your audience yeah it's an evolving thing uh we're trying to figure out for each type of uh online experience or event which which platform is best so if it's a big free uh thing like we have we have some like the music for stargazing or we have a uh, show and tell that is different, interesting, fascinating people talking about like uh, unusual things that they have in their in their house or their closet, um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> which is actually very popular. Uh, uh, those it's storage wars. <laughs> a lot of those we just want people to to tune in and, and check it out. So so Instagram Live and Facebook Live work really well for that. Uh, for for the more sort of scheduled programming uh, workshops and things like that that are more interactive, we've been using uh, Zoom so people can sign up, buy a ticket uh, through our site, and uh, and then at- and then attend the workshop like you would mm-hmm. in real life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you know we've we've seen a huge explosion of um, of things that people would normally be traveling for, like to see you know Scottish bagpipe players or, or other <laughs> cultural <laughs> events around the world. Yeah. You know, uh, start to come online. We've seen a big push for that. I, I know Google Arts and Culture had uh, a bunch uh, bought, brought online a bunch of uh, museums and national parks, and you know we've seen things like uh, South by Southwest's Film Festival went to Amazon, uh, the Metropolitan Opera in New York is. is streaming some things. So like, what do you think the like long-term impacts of, of all of that being available online is, is going to be? Because I do think that it's, it's going to be setting the expectation that at least some of those cultural events that people normally might travel for are going to be available online. So how do you think that starts to affect our travel when we do start to come out of this? Are you, are you guys going to continue to, to, to produce these online events as well and these online experiences even once travel bans start to lift up? It's a great question uh, because we're, we've been very surprised and happy with the, with the adoption of our online experiences. And there's some great things about it where you, know, you used to have to travel with us to Portugal to go learn about Portuguese wine. Uh, now that can be, uh, you can zoom right in from your living room and that makes the audience, the potential audience for our experiences, basically the whole world for anything. Mm-hmm. You could be in Portugal in the afternoon and in the evening back in LA uh, talking about you know, Joshua Tree. So th- there's definitely positives. I think the negative, it's not really a negative, but I think what we're starting to see just across the landscape is so many things are online. My family can't wait for Hamilton to, to be streaming. Mm -hmm. uh, That's exciting. And, and when the Met and everybody else has got all this amazing content, all of a sudden we're competing with every other thing on the internet that people could possibly be watching. Um, So there's that luckily, you know, the the nature of what we do is uh, everything is very, is is unique. Um, And that so far has meant that we've, we've got a strong following for it, but um, but I think that's going to settle out a little bit. And I think that the, the universal sentiment that I'm hearing back when I talk to anyone in our community is they cannot wait to get back to uh, whatever in real life 
travel and experience means. Mm -hmm. But I I feel like this has kind of forced us to set up a, a system to, if you can't make it on one of our trips and if you can't get to one of our experiences, the next best thing is to do it online. And, and I would right. I would predict that we're going to keep doing those uh, indefinitely because uh, there yeah. is an yeah. appetite for it. It seems like a it's like that, like missing kind of like a point in the consumer journey, right? Where it's there was just like research and kind of like desk research. And then there was travel and really no in between. And now we have like, like, a, like a new in between phase in like that consumer journey for travel, which I think is super interesting, because um, there are a lot of people that I think they've always wanted to travel and maybe didn't know where they wanted to go. And so this is, I think one more layer of just information gathering to really make sure that you know where you want to go when you actually, you know, put down the deposit to kind of take that trip. So I think that's kind of interesting that it's like, this is like, just like a whole new, um, you know, point in that consumer journey of travel has opened up. And I think that presents a lot of opportunity for, for marketers out there. That's a really good point. And actually I have not thought of that, but, um, but, but you're totally right. And in my, in my experience, when I've thought about investing a sizable amount of my time and my money into a, into a longer, more, you know, extensive trip. Uh, I would love to have the chance to, to, to preview it basically. And right. And yeah. Experience part yeah. of it. And we haven't connected those yet, but thanks to you, we're going to do that. <laughs> hey, the, the first yeah. one's free. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I love it. It's kind of like, especially for, you know, you guys produce these amazing sort of, you know, once in a lifetime size trips. Hopefully they're not once in a lifetime, but they're of the sort of scope and scale. And you know, let's be honest, expense that you're, you're not going to do them all the time. Uh, and I love this idea of using an online experience, even one that is monetized by you guys. Uh, you know, I think people, if you pay a hundred dollars, a couple hundred dollars to get a preview of, of what that might be, it actually is a little like, you're, don't give away, you know, don't give away, uh, everything, but, um, it's <laughs> yeah. a nice way to, you know, earn some revenue from, from people who are maybe less, de- less on board yet and also like a lead gen for for that experience down the line i think equal to the monetary investment is the idea like okay guys there's one week or two weeks that we can all go on a trip together how are we going to invest that time uh and we want to we want to be as smart about it as possible and do something that that's really amazing and impactful And, and and that's something that we've been thinking about a lot as we plan for our our 2021 trip lineup um, obviously travel is going to look different. So, uh, there's a lot of speculation about what that might mean, but we have some theories and I think, you know, one is, um, people are going to want to really spend time with their families and go mm-hmm. on an amazing trip with their families or close group of friends. And so that we might lean more that direction than, than lots of big group trips with, uh, with strangers, you know, that, that might be a logical next step. Um, and making sure that the trips are, uh, to the extent possible, you know, COVID friendly, where uh, there's a, you know, we're not loading 12 people into a tiny van and taking them across the Serengeti. We're, we're figuring out how to, how to keep some social distancing and, and, and things like that. So there's all these elements of how travel will potentially uh, look and feel different. But over, the overarching theme for us is, uh, as we launch our 2021 lineup, the theme of the campaign is really make it matter. This is this is the time to take that trip of a lifetime. There's so much pent up wanderlust and desire to go out and 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 do something with your with the people you care about most. So, 2021 is the year that you're going to make it matter with your travel. 
Um, and so we're designing our trip lineup around that, around that message. I was saying summer 2020, the year of the great American road trip is back. Absolutely. Yeah. I know for myself, um, you know, I, I, my friends and I were all talking about, all right, where can we go that we don't have to get on a plane and we can do something exciting. And it's, uh, it's a lot of like outdoor destinations Mm. and it's, uh, you know, let's, let's go let's go find a spot that we can all spend a week together and, and catch up. And, you know, people are just so starved for that, that kind of interaction. And it's, but it's going to be interaction with people that, 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 you know. Yeah. We've seen a real boom in even already in sort of, uh, vacation home rentals in tents being sold out places because camping obviously is uh probably the most socially distant you can be yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah it does seem like there's this summer is going to be uh sort of a boom in shorter trips uh camping domestic travel you know everything that that makes people feel feel safe uh, one thing that that we've been sort of talking about is now that we have a large portion of the population working from home, uh, and obviously in in twenty twenty one, hopefully that will will start to change by then. But in you know in the next few months, uh, are some of these shorter trips maybe going to turn into these blends of of work and travel, where you you know okay maybe you. Sp- spend a couple of weekends going, you know, to upstate New York or someplace else. And then eventually you're like, Hey, I could just work from here. Uh, and it's, it's less crowded and it's, uh, you know, there's a forest in my backyard and maybe that is, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I'm very interested in this idea that, that this working from home period might, uh, really accelerate that idea of blending travel and living. And, you know, we had sort of a, the inklings of that with, with co-living spaces popping up in different parts of the world. But I, I feel like this might be the time that a lot of people start, start doing that and travel becomes, uh, I mean, we talk about travel as a lifestyle category, but it really just becomes a lifestyle <laughs> where you're always, mm-hmm. always in motion. Adam, I can I can tell you because my trip to Portugal this summer just got canceled. Sadly, I've just been looking at property or houses in Montana just that has a good internet connection. I'm like, just ship me there for a month. I'm good to go. Like that's all I need is a solid yeah. internet. We have we have employees who have asked me, uh, and you know, keep in mind these are Atlas Obscura employees where if they have any opportunity to go, you know, check out the the world outside of New York City. Um, they, they will do it. How long are we going to be remote? And is it okay if I, uh, you know, zoom in every day from <laughs> some far, far flung destination? So, wow, I can do this from any, anywhere I have a, a solid Wi-Fi connection. So, um, I think we're going to, we're going to see a ton of that. Um, the, the, the co-living, uh, opportunities, that's, that's really interesting to me. And I, and I think there's, there's going to be more and more of those springing up in places where like, Hey, come out to, to Bozeman for a while. And, uh, you know, maybe you don't want to rent a house for a year, but you can come, uh, you know, into this living working situation, uh, and, uh, and be with like-minded people. And when you're not working, you can be out exploring, you know, a wonderful place. So, um, I mean, do we want to go into just kind of like what happens? We kind of talked about, you know, 2021 and that's, I would still kind of put that in like in the short term, but like, I guess, you know, you know, five years out, like, are you planning anything around that? Like any insights into, do we think we're travel will be fully back? Like the air airlines will be back, you know, it'll kind of be back to what it was pre um, or do you think, you know, this has changed forever and that how we're going to be traveling, you know, we can't even predict right now because it's just so uncertain. Well, right now, our trips business, uh, as it normally exists, is is 
not operational, but we're taking a really optimistic view of when and how travel will come back. So we're launching our 2021 trips lineup and it does include a lot of domestic and close to home uh, trips and things that we can, like I said, we could make uh, a shorter trip more valuable for you. But we're also being optimistic about the idea that people are going to want to travel to these uh, more exotic and far off destinations. And as soon as they're able, they're going to they're going to do that. And I think we'll start to get a sense of what that demand is. And, and I think the whole industry is looking at, you know, what's the horizon on this? Are we are we talking 2021 or is it more like 2022? And and we feel pretty confident that that the first thing that will come back is local close to home travel. Uh, the second thing that will come back, I think, is the luxury high end world where companies like the Four Seasons Hotels are already very proactively making sure that their that their uh, guests know that they've they've arranged their stays to be really uh, COVID friendly, mm-hmm. and then that will trickle down to sort of mid market uh, and beyond. And then where we fit into this, I think, is the people who take Atlas Obscura trips are passionate, passionate travelers and explorers. And I know for myself and I know for the the members of our community that we hear from, uh, as soon as the green light is given on these longer, far away trips, they're going to take them. I mean, you can't unfortunately do that in the five boroughs of of New York City. (laughs) Well, you can see millions uh, of stuff, you know, of things. (laughs) You could... Lots, lots of species, species yes, yeah. but uh, maybe not the ones you want to see. <laughs> um, so I think, I think it's just going to, we're going to have to wait and see, but we're being very optimistic that this will happen in phases. And I think we're already seeing, you know, there's pent up desire to, to get out and, and be doing things. Uh, sometimes maybe, maybe too much and uh, people need to, <laughs> need to need <laughs> take a breath. But, uh, yeah. I mean, I, yeah. can, I can feel that. And then from our, uh, from our media business, uh, you know, we, uh, marketing partners that we have, the brand partners that we have, obviously in the immediate term, a lot of the messaging turned to, um, you know, supporting first responders and supporting their employees and, and dealing with that. But we're starting to see shifts toward uh, reminding people that their destination is a good place to, to go and, and talking about some of the things that uh, they're doing to make the destination appealing and, and COVID. And I think, I'm very optimistic that in the next month, two months, we're going to see more and more uh, DMOs start to invest in in promoting themselves. Um, we know that they want to. We're, we're in touch with, if not all of them, a lot of them. Um, and, and it's going to be interesting to see how quickly, uh, from a media standpoint, that, that comes back. Totally. Um, well, Adam, any other questions on your end? I was just going to say, uh, do you have any predictions about the sort of long term like five years from now what the travel industry might look like what travel might look like it's so hard to be predictive in this moment because every day feels like a month and things change so fast (laughs) but i think there's some things that seem pretty pretty clear at this point one is that travel will not look like it used to i think there's going to be you know people steering away from uh places could be considered unsafe or, you know, there's any risk of, of getting stuck somewhere or, you know, if it's not COVID-19, uh, just being aware that there is this potential for, you know, a global pandemic, I think is going to stick in everyone. So, so adding some caution and, and, and some distance, uh, as people think about travel, 
I'm, I'm optimistic about that because Atlas Obscura specifically is sort of naturally geared that way. We, we like to take people to places that aren't over-touristed and, and we're, we've always been very focused on the idea of responsible travel. And that notion of responsible travel that we're really behind has now expanded to mean something even bigger, which is, yes, it's still responsible travel in the sense that we want to you know, avoid uh, over-tourism. We want to be focused on um, you know, low-impact travel. Uh, but now we also have safety concerns and, and health concerns. So responsible travel now includes going to places where, uh, where you feel like there's good medical care or that you're not going to you're not going to get infected, but even more so, you're not going to infect anyone else and, and, and things like that. So I think the whole conversation around travel is going to be different for, for at least five years. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. The, the um, It'll kind of be like a redefining what it means to travel, really. It's like kind of like resetting all expectations and industry norms and all of that nature. So, um, yeah, definitely hard to predict other than the fact that we know it's changing or it already has changed, but in, in what ways and how much I think are the, the questions here. Yeah. And there's some surprising stats that I, that I stay on top of. Um, when you read that the demand for cruise travel has actually <laughs> continued to rebound really fast. I, I'm happy for them. I, I, I just, uh, I'm surprised because it was just so hard hit by this whole thing. Um, so, so that, that was it. That was something I would not have predicted. Warren, uh, that was great. Thank you so much for uh, joining us today. And uh, maybe we will see you out on the road some weekend soon. Well, thank you guys. It's really been a pleasure to be here. And uh, I hope that you'll join us uh, first up for a virtual experience and then for a real life one. And, uh, and yeah, please, please check out um, atlasobscura.com, uh, atlasobscura Instagram handle. Um, we just won uh, People's Choice uh, for our social media uh, for Alice Obscura, the, the Webby Award. Uh, we just got nominated for a James Beard Award oh, wow. for our Gastro Obscura Wonderful Foods Initiative. Wow. Um, so fingers crossed on that one. Um, but there's a lot of great stuff there. So please check us out and, uh, and, and take one of our experiences. Yeah. Well, what, what a way to end a podcast with the, uh, the trophy case. So, uh, thank you so much for, um, coming on this week and we'll make sure to tag all that in our, our show notes for our listeners. So, um, thank you. And listeners with that, that's a wrap on our show this week. So, um, everybody enjoy the long weekend, enjoy your, your Memorial day weekend. And as always remember to, uh, stay safe, stay healthy and wash those hands. So thank you. And we'll chat next week. Mm-hmm.